Amen. Amen. Thank you, James. Hey, you got a Bible? Say yes. First uh, John chapter 2 in your Bible, if you will. Go ahead and open that up with me this morning. If you're a guest of ours, welcome. We're fired up that you're here. And, man, we've been going through First John verse by verse. And this morning, I want to talk to you about God's PIP plan for your life. God's PIP plan for your life. Now, you may be like I was. Uh, you've probably never heard of a PIP plan. Some of you perhaps, but majority of you probably not. I had a buddy whose name was Michael uh, whenever I was growing up. And you all right back there, James? I know, man. I thought you were getting electric. But anyway, so uh, we'll pray for you, all right? But uh, my buddy Michael worked at T-Mobile, and I had this sense that God really wanted me to spend a little more time with him and invest in his life, and so that's what I sought to do. And I went to T-Mobile one day to meet up with him for lunchtime, and while I was there, I realized he had a ton of work on his desk, and so he was just working away. And so I said, man, what you doing? And he said, well, I'm working on pit plans for the employees. I said, you know, pit plans? Let's, let's talk about that. What exactly is a pit plan? And he began to explain to me that a pit plan was a personal improvement plan. And I said, well, what are you doing, all right? So then he began to kind of share with me that he took employees and realized the skills that they needed to improve in, and he would actually build a process to help them grow as employees, and they called them pit plans. And it was pretty awesome because, man, I wanted to really put him on a spiritual pit plan. Y'all with me on that? So I began to kind of baptize that idea and met with him for lunch and said, hey, buddy, I, I feel like, man, you're on the verge of really growing in your faith. I want to help you. I'd love to meet with you once a week. We'll go through some studies together. Man, we'll ask questions of one another, and we can really grow together. And he agreed to do that, and it worked out pretty awesome because we ended up hanging out for over a year, uh, went on several mission trips overseas to Africa with one another, and today he no longer works with T-Mobile. He actually uh, is working with a missions organization over in Alabama, and they are involved in getting the gospel in third world countries. It's just an awesome concept, this idea of a PIP plan. And then as I was studying 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, I realized something that I had not seen before, and that is that God actually has a PIP plan for every single one of us. God has a personal improvement plan for your life as well as my life. And I love the way that he describes this concept in 1 John. He describes it really as spiritual maturity, growing in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he uses three terms to describe how uh, you and I grow in our faith. He uses the term children. He uses the term young men. And then he uses the term fathers. Now, I want you to think about that. we got some uh, good pictures up there. Y'all with me on that? Those are good, aren't they? But God's goal for your life, as well as mine, is that we would mature in our faith. So as I was studying 1 John, verse, or chapter 2, verse 12 through 14, I realized uh, through studying many commentaries that whenever John is making mention of children, young men, and fathers, he's not talking about spiritual or uh, physical age, but rather he's talking about our spiritual age. So with that, let's stand together and read God's Word. And you notice those three terms in the text, beginning in verse 12, all right? The Bible says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And I've written to you, children, because you know the Father. 
I've written to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. And I've written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. All right, let's bow together in prayer. Father, we do thank you for our Bibles. Every time we open it, that's you speaking to us. And God, you're not just giving uh, stuff that's not helping. This applies to our life. This helps us grow and mature in our faith. And so, Lord, I just pray that every single person who's present this morning will be encouraged to take some step in their life on your personal improvement plan for them. And God, I thank you so much for this text. So rich with meaning, so rich with application. And I trust, God, that you're going to use your word to accomplish your purposes this morning. And that's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Go ahead and be seated, if you will. In your listening guide this morning, you've got this little drawing actually located there on the back of that sheet of paper. And what this is, it really is three phases of spiritual maturity. So I just want you to fill those in this morning. And if you're anything like me, you're going to listen to this message, and you're going to wonder to yourself, which phase am I in? Where am I and what action step do I need to take? So there's three phases and the very first uh, phase is what I will call absolute dependence. All right, absolute dependence. And then the key word here is the word faith. F-A-I-T-H. I know how to spell that. I'm halfway sure about dependence, all right? I kind of miss Microsoft Word, don't y'all? Just underline it for you. But here it is, absolute dependence. And really, this is the uh, description of those who are children in the faith. Now, again, let's look at our text because he writes in verse 12, I'm writing to you, little children. Now, notice this, because your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. And then again at the end of verse 13, he says, I've written to you children because you know the Father. So here John is elevating the very first step in what God desires for every single person. And that is a step into the faith. In other words, there are individuals who are outside of God's pit plan who have not yet come to place their faith in Jesus. But a child is a person who has seen their sin before a holy God. They realize that they deserve judgment for their sin, but then they turn to faith in Jesus Christ because on the cross, Jesus was judged for them. So Jesus died for them. He was buried and resurrected. And whenever they, I like to say it like this, rebel against sin and place their faith in the Lord, they leave this place out here, which is far from God, and they enter into a personal relationship with the one who has created them. Now, I'm reading a book called Pilgrim's Progress now. Uh, many of you have probably read that book before. I've never read it. It's actually the second most uh, purchased and printed book in history next to the Bible. And so now I'm finally getting around to reading it and absolutely enjoying it. There's a character in the book named Christian. And Christian describes this burden that is on his back. And as you begin to read that story, you find that Christian is describing the sin that he has on his back. So he's carrying this massive burden on his back when an evangelist tells him that he should go to the hill. And the hill is descriptive of Mount Calvary. And so that's exactly what Christian does. Christian goes to the hill, and as you read that book, it says that he looked upon the hill and saw the cross. And at the moment that he saw the cross, the burden on his back completely rolled away. 
And then he describes, and again, this is a, uh, a book, right? So he's writing how three shining ones came to him. And these three shining ones in the book represent the Trinity. The first shining one who represented God the Father said to Christian, your sins have been forgiven. The second shining one, which represented the Lord Jesus Christ, said, let's take off those terrible rags. I want to give you a brand new coat. And that was the righteousness of Jesus given to him. And then the third one represented God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, I am going to seal you until the day of redemption. That is the picture in that book, Pilgrim's Progress, of leaving a world outside and far from God into a personal relationship with the Lord. This is absolute dependence. And that is the step that God wants every single person to take. Now, the Bible says that God's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to everlasting life. But for you to enter into this phase of the spiritual pit plan of God for your life, you have to realize you're a sinner and place your trust in the Lord Jesus. And the scripture describes this as becoming a child. In fact, John's gospel records for us where Jesus one day says, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. There's that idea of becoming a child. Romans chapter 8, Paul the Apostle says that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God takes up residence in your life, and He energizes you to call out, Abba, Father. And that word Abba literally means Daddy. So here's that same image of a child. And then the Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3, Truly I say to you, listen to this, this is awesome. Unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't know about you, man, but when I look at this, it reminds me, and especially when I talk about children and babies, it reminds me of the first child that I ever remember holding. That was actually my own son. Y'all with me? That was Garrison. I'm sure I probably held and dropped a few before, but he was the first I'd ever held and dropped. And so anyway, I've got him in my hands. I remember being in the hospital, kind of rocking him and looking at him and realized very quickly he could not do anything on his own. He can't talk. He can't feed himself. He can't walk. Well, check this out. Whenever you are converted and become like a child, that means you come to the realization that you cannot walk into the presence of God on your own merit. We're all sinners before God. Our righteous deeds are like filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. So you can't just walk into his presence. We also realize that we can't even talk in his presence. We realize we can't create an argument sound enough before God to convince him to let us in to heaven. So we can't walk on our own, nor can we talk on our own. So what do we need? That's where Jesus comes in to play. We need Jesus to walk us into the presence of God. He does that by covering our sin through the cross. We need Jesus to speak on our behalf. He does that when we place our faith in him and we have absolute dependence upon him. He speaks us clean before Almighty God. That is the very first step. And as you get into this step, you begin to realize that God wants to transform you and to grow you. Now, look at me eyeball to eyeball because this is a little different. When we think about maturing as individuals, we think about it on a scale that goes from dependence to independence. In other words, my son Garrison, 
He'll go to sixth grade next year. He'll be in middle school. That's a prayer request. Y'all with me? He's going to go to high school after that, then he'll go to college. He'll probably meet a girl, most likely get a job, get married, have kids, et cetera, et cetera. But our goal as parents, Chris and I, is to see him move from being dependent on us to being independent of us. So our goal when he hits like 18 is to kick him out of the nest. Can I get a witness on that? Amen. That would have been a good spot. But anyway, so but we, we do. We want to see him grow in that way. And that's what we consider maturing. But from God's perspective, it's the exact opposite. God does not want you or I to mature by going from dependence to independence. He wants us to go, check this out, from independence to absolute dependence. In other words, before you come to faith in God, before you jump onto this pit plan, you're out here by yourself, apart from the one who created you, apart from the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, you're doing your own thing. And while you're out here, you are independent of God. But once God begins to work in your heart and draw you to himself, he then gets you into his pit plan, whereby you begin to learn to depend upon him over and over more and more. So that's the very first step. That is the first phase of God's pit plan for your life, which leads us now uh, really to the second phase. And this is what I call the spiritual development phase, all right? Spiritual development phase. You want to jot that down on your notes as well? Uh, the key word here is the word habits. Habits. And, and I love this, all right? Because he's using young men in the text to describe now another phase of spiritual maturity. And he lays it down there in verse 13. He says, I'm writing to you, and this is right in the middle of the verse, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And then right in the middle of verse 14, he says, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. And note this right here. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. So here what we have described for you and I is this second phase of spiritual maturity in God's pit plan. This is the spiritual development phase where you have the habit now of actually taking in God's word into your life where you are abiding in the truth of what God has taught us through the scripture. Now, real quick, this doesn't mean that you fill your head up with knowledge about the Bible so you can win a trivia contest in your Sunday school class. This is the idea of applying the scripture to your life, where you are growing in the word, abiding means to remain in, where you are walking in the word, and that gives you strength now as John says, to overcome the evil one. Now, some of you may have to think way back in your life to the time frame when you first placed your faith in Jesus. When you left this area out here apart from God and you absolutely depended upon Jesus to forgive you your sin, give you a relationship with God, you, you have that in your mind right now. Think about that day. Don't you remember after you came to faith in Jesus that you immediately began to get attacked. You had it going all over the place, right? There were mental attacks where the enemy starts saying stuff to you like, have you lost your mind? Why are you trying to follow this Jesus? Has that church down there brainwashed you? What's going on? And so there are mental attacks and then there are also spiritual attacks. So the enemy who realized you were transferred from darkness into light wants to try to tempt you to come on back and do some deeds of the darkness. So he invites you to have that same attitude that you used to have towards somebody. 
He invites you to commit sin or maybe to fall into an old pattern of living. He's always enticing you. So there's that attack. And then there are also relational attacks. And these attacks, and I, and I love to say it like this, but spiritual warfare happens in the context of relationships. All right, so what happens is spiritual attacks begin to hit you as, real, as relational attacks. So if you're married, the enemy wants to divide you and your wife. If you have children, the enemy wants to throw a wedge between you as a mother to your children. If you are at work, the enemy wants to throw a wedge between you and those who work with you, those who oversee you, and those that you oversee. So there's always this massive attack going on. Now what we learn in this particular phase of God's pit plan is that the only way that we can overcome the attack is if we abide in the Word. And we do this by receiving the Scripture into our life. And I want you to listen to what Peter wrote, because this is awesome. Y'all listen and say, yeah, shake your head at me, all right? This is good stuff. Listen to what Peter says, and I want you to listen to the words that he uses in 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2. Listen, put aside all malice, put aside all deceit, put aside all hypocrisy and envy and slander. Which, by the way, I just want to tell you, all five of those particular things that he says get rid of describe how we treat other people. So he says, I want you to put all that aside, and then listen to what he says, and like newborn babies, there's that picture again, all right? Like newborn babies, I want you to long for the pure milk of God's Word. And then he says, here's the reason why. So that by it, by the Word, you may grow in respect to your salvation. So here again, we see a key spiritual habit of this phase is a steady intake in our lives of God's Word. Listen to what the Hebrew author said, and again, listen to the words, because it just fits so well. He says it like this in Hebrews chapter 5, 13 through 14. Everyone who partakes of only milk is not accustomed to the Word of righteousness, for he is an infant. Here it is again, that infant idea. Solid food is for the mature, who because of practice, now notice this, because of practice, they have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So here's what the Bible's teaching us. Are y'all with me say yes? I believe this is going to help you. So listen closely. As you move into this area of your spiritual maturity process, and you and I begin to abide in the Word of God, God will actually help us learn to discern between those things that will help our spiritual maturity and those things that will hinder our spiritual maturity. Now here's how it happens. We take God's Word into our life, and the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit, who lives within every believer, actually recalls or helps us remember, teaches us what the Word says. For example, you may be tempted. Let me just ask you. All right, I'll ask you straight up. All right, everybody listening, say yes. All right, listen closely, all right? You were tempted this past week. No doubt about it. Some of you may have been tempted mentally. Some of you may have been tempted spiritually some, maybe even relationally. When you were tempted, let me ask you, what scripture came to your mind? What scripture just flooded your soul and helped you overcome that temptation? Now, everybody looking at me, look at me. Look at me. If you're drawing a blank, then I need to encourage you here, all right? I need to encourage you because you need to develop the habit of learning the scripture, putting it into your heart so that when temptation comes, the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind 
the word which is necessary to overcome the evil one. That's why the Bible describes itself as the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit brings to our mind that which will help us overcome sin. Now here's the deal. All of us know what areas we're tempted in. Right? And all of us are tempted in different areas. Uh, some of my temptations may not be yours. Some of yours may not be mine. But here's what I know for sure. There is a text of Scripture that is specifically designed to help you overcome that temptation. So you and I have to get into the Word of God, spend time with Jesus, and allow Him to teach us and to train us so that we are developed. Now, I will tell you this morning that there are more spiritual habits than just intake of the Word of God. There are other spiritual but the one that I'm kind of focusing on is just the habit of the Word. Just the habit of taking it into our lives. And the reason I'm doing that is because it's what John does in the text. But I want you to think about Jesus. Y'all remember him? Say yes. Yeah, Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 was tempted three times to sin. All three times he responded, it is written. It is written. It is written. Do you know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was recalling the very scripture that he learned because the Bible says he grew in wisdom and in stature. Although he was fully God, he laid aside some divine rights. So he grew in wisdom and stature. He learned. And the Bible says the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted. And as he was tempted, don't you know the Spirit of God was aiding and helping? And as he was tempted, he had, it is written, it is written, it is written. And that should be you and I as well. So you and I, as followers of Jesus, need to get into God's pit plan but God doesn't want you to just be an infant and sit around and not grow. He wants you to move into a spiritual development phase in your life where you begin to move towards the third step. And the third step is what I like. It's called the phase of dynamic influence. And I kind of termed it that because I like that concept. Dynamic influence. Are y'all with me say yes? All right. And the key word there is the word intentional. All right. I just put I-N-T because I don't know how to spell intentional, all right? But intentional is what it is. Dynamic influence. Now, this is described by the term fathers. And again, if you're taking notes, you might want to write children here, young men here, fathers here. If you're a lady and you want to kind of feminize it, children, uh, young ladies, and uh, mothers of the faith. All right, now notice here how he lays it out in verse 13. He says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. Now take a look at verse 14. He says, I've written to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning. Now here's what John is doing. John is talking about a father who has an intimate, deep knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I love this, right? He's saying you guys have a deeper knowledge of Jesus. That is, you're growing in your walk with him. It's more intimate in your life. Uh, man, you guys are the ones who should be taking responsibility. You guys are the ones who should be influencing. You have known him from the beginning. So you don't even know, or you don't just know him from his life and ministry here on earth. You know him as eternal, that Jesus has always been. He is, and he will always be. You understand this intimately. Now let's think about John. John's the guy who wrote 1 John. John's also the guy who wrote the Gospel of John. 
by vote of hands, all right? We'll do it this way. How many of you believe John was a father in the faith? Would you just slip your hand up real quick? You're like, John had it going on. He was a father. All right, very good. A little better this hour than last hour. It's 87% last hour. It's 92 this hour. But uh, anyway, John, I want you to listen to how John opens up his gospel. And remember, John's a father, and he has known him who has been from the beginning. John opens the gospel this way. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So what is John doing? John is displaying to us right there in the very first chapter of the gospel this reality that he has known him who has been from the beginning. The Word is Jesus. Now think about John as well. He becomes a dynamic influencer for the kingdom of heaven. And he influences people in two major ways. Just think about the fact that John wrote the gospel of John. And he wrote that gospel with the intended purpose to lead people to place their faith in Jesus Christ. And then if you think about 1 John, John wrote 1 John to help people grow in their walk with the Lord Jesus. So he's influencing people in two major ways. He sees people who are still over here in the darkness, and he wants to invite them to get onto God's pit plan. So he writes a gospel, and he invites them. And then he also sees people who are in this phase of their walk with Jesus, or maybe in this phase with their walk with Jesus, and they want to influence them as well. So he spends time with them. He helps them. And listen, this is uh, what you and I are called to do. Everybody listen and say yes, because I want you to get this, because this is huge, all right? You are called to be a dynamic influencer for the kingdom. God has not called you simply so you can place your faith in Jesus, learn some Bible stories, and ignore the fact that people are on their way to hell, and disregard the people that you fellowship with week in and week out. God has brought you into his pit plan because he has recruited you. He has called you in. And if you think about it, this is exactly what Jesus did. Are y'all listening? Look at me real quick. Think about what Jesus did. Jesus started a movement that actually birthed the New Testament church. It's still influencing people today. You're here. And think about what Jesus did. He said, I, I'm going to recruit some folks. So he brings in 12, right? I'm fired up that he just did 12. Amen? So he just pulls 12 in, and only 11 of them made it. Y'all listening? But anyway, here's what happens. He pulls them in, and then he prepares them. He teaches them about the kingdom. He shares with them what they are going to go out and do. He talks to them about the message that they are going to deliver, and then he mobilizes them. He sends them out. And then whenever they come back, he sits down with them, and they talk and discuss about what's been going on. And then Jesus continues to invest in them and send them. Think about this. You, as a dynamic influencer of the faith, are called to do the exact same thing. You are to recruit people. In other words, there are people, and I want you to look at me eyeball to eyeball. All right, everybody with me say yes. I, I, I'm preaching up here. Y'all look at me. All right, here's the deal. God has people in your streams of influence, uh, where you live, where you work, who are way out here. They are far from God. They've not entered into the first phase of God's pit plan. And God has planted you there on purpose. And the reason that he has done that is because he wants you to recruit them to join the team. Now, you're like, what team? Well, the team of Christ. So you're inviting people. You're inviting. So God's put you there on purpose so that you can become a dynamic influencer. 
And then God has also put people around you in your life who need to grow in their faith. Maybe you're a little further along than they are. And they need some guidance. They need some investment. You need to spend time investing in their lives. And as that happens, you're dynamically influencing people for the kingdom. That's what Jesus did. That's what Paul the Apostle did. And that's what you and I are called to do. So we're not simply called to be saved, to learn some scripture, and sit around. We're called to Christ, to grow in our walk with him, and to influence others. And man, that's what I want for you. I want that for your life. I want you to experience that before you go on to see Jesus in heaven. I want you to become a dynamic influencer. And there's no greater satisfaction than influencing people for the kingdom. And I'll say to you this morning, uh, just because it's a pretty cool story, uh, since I've been here at Concord, I met one guy named Casey Riles. I'm going to take a sip of water. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. So anyway, Casey got put him on my heart. And uh, I thought, well, I'm going to try to spend some time with him. And so that's what I did. I ended up hanging out with Casey for about a year as well. And man, we, we, we both grew. I loved it. Great time. Saw him grow in his faith. I'm confident he saw me grow in my faith as well. And what I did is I just invited him. I said, hey, man, I'm going to spend some time with you. I'd love to see both of us grow in our walks with you. But, man, I want to see you after we're done go and seek to influence some other people. So he was like, right on, man. I'm down with it. So that's what he did. So we met for a little while. Next thing I know, uh, Casey begins to meet with a guy named Andy. Andy didn't know he was going to be in the sermon today. Andy, slip your hand up. Right there. God bless you, Andy. All right. So we began to meet with Andy. Do the exact same thing. So now Casey's hanging out with Andy. And then apparently Andy was a tough case because Casey handed him over to me. Y'all all right? But anyway, so now I'm hanging out with Andy as well. But here's what was neat to me, all right? God begins to use this process in my life, Casey's life and Andy's life, to grow all three of us. So it's not when you become a dynamic influencer, you just got it going on and you're smarter than everybody else and you're, you know, you're the one who influenced and impact. No, no, no. It's just God's called you to do that. And as you do it, you grow as well. So last week, Casey Riles had a baby. Well, his wife did. And so we went to the hospital to visit, and uh, it was me and Andy. And I didn't tell Andy this, but uh, while we were there uh, getting ready to pray for the family, it was amazing to me to see just three of us. Hey, check this out. Four years ago, we didn't even know each other existed. But God began to put people together. And what I'm trying to say to you is that that's what God wants to do in your life. God puts people around you. God puts people who are outside of the faith around you so that you can encourage them to place their absolute dependence upon Jesus. God puts people around you who need to grow in their faith, just like you do, so that you can influence and spend time with them as well. So when we look at this, now this is where it comes down to the message, all right? And y'all got to be back next week too, because there's another circle I'm going to draw. Y'all with me? I got two of these bad boys. But when you look at this circle this morning, where are you? Where do you find yourself? And you may be here this morning saying, well, why in the world would I want to be in the absolute dependence stage? Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Man, I'm fired up that you're here. But maybe you're here today and you're like, well, why would I want to do that? Here's the reason that you'd want to do it. You will want to do it because you will never know purpose and life apart from the one who created you. Paul the Apostle said it like this, you were created by God and you were created for God. So if you continue to rebel against him and follow after your own sinful heart, 
then God's going to give you what you want. He's going to allow you to spend eternity separated from him in a real place called hell eventually because you're going to be judged for your sin because you've rejected Jesus. So you want to get into this because this is you getting to know your creator. And I love Blaise Pascal, brilliant mathematician who once said this. Are y'all listening? This is a good one. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus. Do you hear that? Every single one of us are born into this world into sin. We have this huge emptiness in our life, this massive unsatisfied feeling in our life. And Blaise Pascal says the only thing that brings satisfaction to that is absolute dependence upon Jesus, the one who created you. So that's why you want to be in there. Now, you may be in here today and you're like, well, I came to faith recently. Why do I want to get down here to the spiritual development phase? Here's the reason why. Because if you don't, you will find yourself tripping up to sin and not displaying the character and the image of Jesus to those around you. See, as you get into this habit of taking God's word into your life, keeping everything in its context in 1 John, you're going to find that you actually begin to grow in your love towards God and grow in your love towards other people. Remember what he said? He said, get rid of envy and slander and hatred and bitterness and receive the word of God. Remember, all four or five of those that are listed by Peter describe how we treat one another. But as we grow in the Word of God, we begin to treat others differently. We begin to grow, and as a result, we are now overcoming the evil one. So that's why I want to see you grow in this area. And then why do you want to be here in this area of dynamic influence? Here's the reason, all right? This, and listen closely. The reason is because... God wants you to live not a successful life as the world sees it. God wants you to live a significant life as he sees it. So you may be here today and you're like, well, man, I need to kind of move in that direction. I need to jump into this one, begin to influence others. Then you need to make that decision. Are y'all listening? Say, yeah. So as you look at the circle, where are you? Which place are you in? Are you out here in the darkness? And today by faith, like a child, you'll come to faith in Jesus? Are you here already, but you know that you're still an infant in your walk with Christ and you need to have some spiritual habits? What action step are you going to take to make that happen? And if you're here today, man, and you've been to Bible studies, and listen, listen, you've been in Bible studies and you've heard sermons enough to, you know, drive you nuts. Are y'all listening? Maybe you've been there 10, 20, 30, 40 years, you get all this knowledge, but you're not influencing a single person. How are you going to change that? What step are you going to take? And listen, man, I want this for all of you. I think this will help us individually, but I also think it will help us as a church to carry out the mission of making disciples. Imagine for a moment. That you finally, maybe you just showed up to church today and you're like, well, let's see what happens in 1 John today. And you show up, but you didn't come in here thinking, man, I'm going to actually make a decision today to do something. You maybe you didn't come in that way, but now you are. Could you imagine, are y'all listening say yeah? Could you imagine what this fellowship would be like if every single one of us became dynamic influencers? 
Can you imagine the difference that it will make in this community? And hey, let me encourage you a couple of ways. One, we we baptized a new convert last Sunday. And I got to talk with him. Here's what he said to me. He said, hey, I told some people that I work with that I'm going to Concord. And here was what one of the responses was. You go to Concord Baptist, the one in Claremont? He said, yeah, man, that's where I'm going. He said, man, I've heard that church is doing things. That's a good reputation. That's because we've got people in this body who are dynamic influencers. When we don't hear that in the community, it's because we're not influencing people. Are y'all listening to me? So you tell me, like, what kind of church would you rather be in? A dead church that makes no impact or influence whatsoever? Would you like to live your entire Christian journey just kind of going through motions but never influencing people for the kingdom? Or would you be that kind of man or woman who says, you know what? I'm tired of messing around with all this stuff. I'm making a decision today that I'm going to start growing. I'm going to spend time in God's Word, and I'm going to start influencing people. I'm going to look for those who are far from God, and I'm going to invite them to faith. Now, listen, don't make it. It's not as hard as you would imagine. If you just pray God will open doors, He'll open doors for you to share the gospel. Can I tell you, I pray that all the time. I went to eat at a Mexican restaurant this past week. Anybody can guess what it was? It wasn't El Rey. I baited y'all on that. It was Senor Fiesta. Mr. Party. Translated. <laughs> so here we are, we eating. And it was me and Andy eating together. And uh, all of a sudden, the guy comes and he's waiting on our table. And uh, he, his last name's on his shirt. So I figure out his first name. He said, My name is Jesus. Right? Well, Jesus in English is Jesus. Are y'all with me? I was like, Your name's Jesus? I know Jesus. Are y'all, are y'all listening? <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. But anyway, so that opened up a door, though, and we shared the gospel in a matter of few minutes. Now, he ran from us after that was all over with, but, man, I'm just fired up that Jesus is bringing us up neat. Can I get a witness on that? (laughs) But we are. We're seeking to invest. We're seeking to open our eyes, man. And listen, this isn't just what pastors are called to do, all right? The Bible tells me as a pastor, are y'all listening, that my job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Not to be the guy who does all the ministry, but to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And man, the more that I study that, the more it changes even how I prepare to preach. Because when I look at all of you sitting out here who know Jesus, what I'm looking at are missionaries in this community. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, I've got to help these missionaries make an influence in this community. What can I do to help them? What can I do to help them? What can I do to help them? So, so let me ask you, does this help y'all? Does it help you give? Y'all just act like it did. Does this help y'all? Gives you a frame of reference. Now next week, I'm going to give you another frame. Can't wait to share it with you. But today, you can't just listen to this and not do something. So let's bow together. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Do the same thing I did last service, all right? Nobody's looking except me. And all I want to do is just kind of gauge where we are. If you're here today... And you say, Levi, man, I need, to, I need to have some spiritual habits developed in my life. I need that in my life. Uh, and that's, that's, you know that's the next step you need to take. Would you just slip your hand up real quick all across the building? Several hands going up. Fired up to see that. That's good stuff, man. Good stuff. And I would say more than 12. Think about that, right? Uh, Jesus said uh, that we would do greater works in this day. 
All right, so you guys who raised your hand, what spiritual habit do you need to develop? Is it the spiritual habit of taking in God's Word? Is it the spiritual habit of regularly gathering with God's people for worship? Do you know the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, don't skip church? That's what it says. Because whenever you do, you miss out on an opportunity to encourage people and be encouraged yourself. Or maybe it's the spiritual habit of prayer. What is the habit, all right? I want you to mentally jot it down in your mind. Say, that's what I need to do. Now, how many of you would just be honest and you're like, you know what, Levi, man, I want to move on into that dynamic influencer phase of growth. You say, Levi, ask me, would you just slip your hand out real quick all across the building? Several hands going up as well. God bless you guys. Then listen, I want you to think, all right? This doesn't happen without some intentionality. That's why that was the key word. So I want you to think, who has God put you around who's far from Him? And who's around you that you can just help grow? And listen, the influence of people, it's not like you have to walk around like you're some guru about something. You're just trying to help, adding value to people's lives. Then how many of you just be honest before God and myself this morning and say, Levi, you know what? I have not truly taken that very first step. I'm not in the absolute dependent stage this morning. Just slip your hand up real quick all across the building. It takes me a minute to get all around. Say, not yet. I've not made that decision just yet. Then listen, that's what you need to do today. Rebel against sin, receive Jesus by faith. The other option is that you rebel against Jesus and receive the penalty of your sin, which is death. So if you need to give your heart to Christ this morning, just pray something like this as I pray out loud. Just say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I admit it. Today, I want to turn from my sin and place my trust in you. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for me and getting up from the grave. Now, help me to live a life set aside for your name's sake. And help me to be unashamed about that decision this morning. Listen, if that's your prayer, the first step of obedience is baptism. So in a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. If you've given your life to Christ, you need to be baptized. I'm going to invite you to walk forward. Leave the place where you've been seated. Come up here. I'll be here, other pastors. We just want to pray with you and help you along in your walk with Christ. Or God may be calling you to join this church body. Listen, you need to be linked with a fellowship. You feel like this is where God wants you to partner with others in the gospel. Then I'm going to invite you to come this morning as well. Father, we give you this time. The invitation is yours. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand.